This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Five minutes after five o'clock on a finally Friday morning. Boy, I only wish that we were going to see improvement in the weather that would actually stick around. Five minutes after five o'clock on a finally Friday morning. It is the third day of May. Now, temperatures are going to warm up a little bit today, and uh, the rain chances are a little thinner today than they've been previously, but it doesn't stay that way. Today, partly sunny skies, 60 are expected high. Tomorrow, partly sunny and 68. And that's the end of the dry weather again. Sunday, we've got a 60% chance of showers and 68 degrees. Monday, more isolated showers. Tuesday, isolated showers and thunderstorms. And Wednesday, we've got rain in the forecast. That is not what Wisconsin farmers want to hear. Well, Stumacher Ag Meteorologist brings us the details. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. Mike North with Commodity Risk Management Group is going to step to the microphone this morning as well. He'll be joining us live via Skype before 6. Uh, dairy product manufacturing in the United States and in Wisconsin came down a little bit last month. What's going on there? We'll find out from Mike and also get trends on what's happening in the markets overnight. When you think of Palmer Amaranth, water hemp, ragweed, and mare's tail, doesn't it just make you want to give them the pounding they deserve? Now you can with Diflex Duo Herbicide. It's the post-emergence corn herbicide with two proven sites of action. So you get powerful control of the toughest weeds, built-in resistance management, and excellent crop safety. So don't just hit weeds. Pound them like never before with Diflex Duo. Learn more at DiflexDuo.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Losing a loved one is never easy, and probably one of the last things you are thinking about at the time is whether or not that loved one was a hero and an organ donor. I'm Pam Yonke. Al Wright from Barneveld can tell you all about it. He lost his wife, and while sitting in the hospital waiting room, the family remembered that she wanted to be an organ donor. We sitting around, you know, and my son said, didn't mom want to be a donor? My gosh, she did. You know, you're not thinking of that at the time. That's Al Wright from Barneveld. His wife, as an organ donor, became a hero to some 50 people that were touched by tissue, eye, or organ donations from her. It's easy to do. You can register now online. DonateLifeWisconsin.org. DonateLifeWisconsin.org. Today, there's more than 3,000 Wisconsinites waiting for an organ, tissue, or eye donation. You could become their hero. DonateLifeWisconsin.org. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. If something unexpected happens to your business, wouldn't you want to be protected by a local Wisconsin-based insurance company that also protects thousands of other Wisconsin businesses? There's a local Rural Mutual Insurance Agent office near you, and premiums paid here stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Bob Bosol this morning at the northern end of the world's longest barn, and have had the the privilege and the opportunity, as Pam has done in southern Wisconsin, to travel to different places around the world. And when you get to different places around the world and see their cultures, and then you think about the United States, you think about how we have really been a homogenization of all those cultures, be it dairy, be it beef, be it uh, beer-making, whatever the case may be. And, Pam, it's important, isn't it, to preserve those cultures of our heritages. 
Absolutely, Bob. Fabulous. Farm Bay Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And you know what? You can even take it one step further. You talked about beer making. You talk about cheese making. That literally takes us back to cultures, literally the physical cultures that we produce that product with from the old country. Reba McClone had a chance to talk about those cultures, those enzymes that we depend on in the brewing industry, in the baking industry, in our cheesemaking industry, and what's on the horizon? Are we developing some new flavors, new tastes, new valuable cultures and enzymes that the dairy industry is looking for? Reba got a chance to visit with one of the cutting-edge scientists making it happen. Many of you may not know this, but I love cheese. And one of the things I love is that there's typically only four ingredients, milk, salt, enzymes, and cultures. But enzymes and cultures weren't something I was very familiar with. I was able to talk to Dave Potter of Dairy Connection to gain a better understanding of these key ingredients for cheese and yogurt products. So Dairy Connection, we are a ingredient supply company distributor of cultures and enzymes to the artisan, farmstead, and especially cheesemakers, not only in Wisconsin, but throughout the United States. And so cultures and enzymes, I heard of them before, but I'm not necessarily super versed in them. And I don't think a lot of other people are either. Can you give us a rundown of like what those are and what they're used for? So just basically cultures are the bacteria that produce lactic acid. So they chew up the sugar in milk and they produce the lactic acid and some of the flavors. Enzymes are a couple different things. The cultures have some enzymes for flavor development, but also rennet is an enzyme that is added and that's produced through a microbial fermentation. Rennet is what coagulates the milk and allows you to start the cheese pranking process. How many different types of cultures are there? Uh, There's two basic categories, mesophilic and thermophilic, and that really determines temperatures that they like to grow at. And within each of those categories, there's probably hundreds, if not thousands, of different strains of bacteria that are used for food production. And primarily in cheesemaking, too, we have those different categories. And so what are those different strains of bacteria? Do they they enhance flavor? Do some of them work faster than others? So we'll look at uh, just cheesemaking alone. There are cultures that produce lactic acid, some that will produce uh, diacetyl which is a buttery aroma. Some produce the holes in Swiss cheese, so they grow and they produce CO2, um, propionic acid, other flavors. So, yeah, they have different characteristics for how fast they produce acid, um, how proteolytic, like they break down the protein, and how much gas they produce. One of the other things that you were saying is that sometimes these different kinds of cultures, they're used in different cheeses, but what other products could they be used in? So the fermentation for yogurt, for example, other fermented dairy products, so these cultures are specifically geared up for fermenting lactose, and that's the milk sugar. So the culture doesn't care what it does as long as there's food there for it. So it could be making Swiss cheese, mozzarella. It could be easily making yogurt. Um, sour cream, buttermilk, just depending on the environment and, uh, and the sugar and the pH and everything that's, that's present for it to live. And so where, do, where did cultures start? But have we always been using dairy cultures to make milk or was it kind of there naturally for a while? Well, if you look at companies like myself, we're a distributor of the cultures, and there always wasn't a company that was producing cultures, so they were originally isolated from raw milk, from soil, from plant material that were just native to the environment. And so when people would milk cows centuries ago, 
bacteria would slough off the animal from the from the udder into the milk, and that really became the initial starter culture from the region. So you look at Europe, the U.S., any type of a region, there's always going to be bacteria that are native to that region, depending on environment, temperature, moisture, um, and that's where the bacteria were originally isolated from. That's really interesting. And so is there a difference in the cultures kind of and their creation purposes between like U.S. cultures and European cultures? I would say now a lot of the cultures specifically that we carry come from Europe, but a lot of them have been standardized. But there are regional variations where cultures have been identified for that region that are specifically used in a regional cheese, especially uh, protected origin cheeses in Europe where they specifically have to use one strain to make um, Parmesan, for example, or they have to make a blue cheese, a Roquefort. They would use specific strains that are really local to that area. When you're incorporating cultures into these products, you're getting these different flavor profiles and things like that. How are modern-day cultures created? There is a technique of actually genetically modifying them, and I would say that's probably not used a lot in the cheese industry. So the strains are selected based on their characteristics of how fast they produce acid, how receptive they are to growing with other strains, because strains are really their whole purpose is to try to survive. And so if they have to kill off another strain just to survive, that's what they'll do. So they have to play well together. Um, They will select them based on their flavor characteristics, um, and they just have natural mutations that also can occur throughout the cheesemaking process. And so with those ability to potentially genetically modify cultures, if that becomes popular, is that going to usher in a new wave of different kinds of cheeses? Um, I don't know so much on the cheese types, but it may affect how the cheese is manufactured, um, especially like on a, either on a large scale or a specialty flavor type uh, culture coming in. They have found ways to genetically identify one strain characteristic from another, and they can turn these genes on and off. Um, but basically, I think a lot of the cheese cultures are probably still some of the same ones that have been used for the last 100 years are still in there. But when you get into large commercialized cheese operations, they have higher demands. And uh, there's another thing called bacteriophage, which is a virus, which kills these cultures. And so they have to kind of stay ahead of that game. And so that's where some of these modifications have come into play. And so what are the cultures for, like, say, a blue cheese or a brie compared to the cultures for a Colby or a cheddar? So if you look at blue cheese, brie, one of the things they have are flavor organisms in there that produce buttery notes. And a a side fermentation with the buttery notes is carbon dioxide. And so if you're looking at cheddar, you would not expect to see holes or gaps in, in your cheddar, you want to see a nice solid. So those cultures tend to be just straight lactic acid production, but in, in brie, camembert, feta, or blue cheese, they need air and oxygen, and so that's what these cultures produce, this flavor and some little bit of CO2 as well. And how do cultures interact with the molds? Like in blue cheese, there's that, that blue mold that's put in there. How does that interaction usually work? So we'll just take blue cheese as an example. So the lactic acid cultures grow first, and the mold culture is incorporated into the milk. And once the cheese is formed in its, in its final shape, they will then pierce holes to allow oxygen for the mold to grow. So when you look at cheese that has mold on the inside, mold needs oxygen to grow. And so they 
pierce holes in there that allows air to get down in the cheese. So the lactic cultures have done their job, and now the mold gets to take over, and, and it produces enzymes. It breaks down to that nice creamy um, texture, or you can s- smell the aroma that's coming off from the mold growth. Where do you see the futures of cultures going? Um, I see a lot of specialty blending that's going on where instead of using one standard type culture, they may be mixing and matching a couple other ones together to produce unique flavors, unique textures. Um, I see a lot of the work being done in the artisan level, trying to not produce a commodity type of product, but they're trying to produce something that is very unique and uh, and selective to that area where they're where they're making the cheese. But you guys also don't just supply to large-scale artisan producers. You also do some homemaking cultures as well. Yeah, we have two different businesses. Dairy Connection is really specifically for the artisan farmstead, but we we get into larger amounts. But we also have a business called Get Culture for the home and hobby. And this is for people that maybe have their own animal or they, they want to start making some cheese on their own, but they're not really commercial. It's more of a hobby. So they start out and they just uh, get can get cultures and supplies, and we're located right here in Madison, and uh, and start making their own cheese at home. And have you seen that growing a lot recently? It is. Uh, I think that's the craft, like craft brew making, and that the same thing has happened where with cheese making around the country. It's more difficult because milk is the main ingredient, and Wisconsin is a state where you can't get raw milk, and so there's so a select number of cheeses that can be made with store milk. But other regions that may have a raw milk supply, or if you're just making it at home and you you live in the farm and you have your own animals, um, it's very easy to do at that point. But yeah, there's a big interest by the by the artisans, and we do classes just teaching basic cheese making steps. And although cultures might sound intimidating, they actually offer a lot of benefits. Cultures are good. Probiotic cultures are being introduced a lot into dairy foods. You'll see them a lot in yogurt. Um, but also in cheese. So kind of look for that as uh, dairy is a great carrier for bacteria that uh, will survive into your digestive system and provide a lot of health benefits. That was Dave Potter with Dairy Connection explaining these key ingredients for making cheeses and yogurts. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Reba McClone. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. They say she's a rock star in the industry. She's a graduate of UW, an art major with an emphasis in metal, and she chose to perfect her talent right here in this cozy area of the store. Meet Samantha, the newest member of the William Thomas Custom Jewelry Designers. Allow the master designers at William Thomas Custom Jewelry help you create that one-of-a-kind piece to celebrate the moment, the joy of life. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration your custom jeweler. The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers need your help identifying an armed robbery suspect. On April 18th at 10.09 p.m., Madison police officers responded to an armed robbery at the BP Cast Station, 6202 Schrader Road in Madison. The suspect implied he was armed with a handgun, confronted the clerk, took money from the register, and subsequently fled on foot with an undisclosed amount of cash. The armed robbery suspect is described as a black male in his 20s, approximately 6 feet tall, and weighing between 200 and 215 pounds. He was seen wearing a Nike black or gray colored hooded sweatshirt, black Nike sweatpants, tan work boots, 
white face mask, and black gloves. Please visit Madison Area Crime Stoppers on Facebook to view surveillance footage of the suspect. If you have any information regarding this armed robbery, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward. Agronomy, feed, propane, agri-finance, fuels, and more. Inside FS is your supplier of choice. Inside FS can supply feed for your livestock, your pets, and anything in between. An Inside FS nutritionist can customize to your unique needs. Talk to our feed team today. From energy to agriculture, on the farm or at home, make Inside FS your valued partner. Visit InsightFS.com for a location near you. Wearing a farm cap on top of a cheese head. This is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. 521 now on a Friday morning. It's a little chilly out there. I see lacrosse is only about 39 degrees. Thank you, Dell in North Fond du Lac calling in this morning. Half an inch of rain in his rain gauge. And I'll tell you what, today may be the only day that we see that orb back up in the sky. Maybe today and tomorrow. Stu Muck, Ag Meteorologist, joining us live via Skype. So I better start scrounging around, find the sunglasses. We haven't had a lot of call for them over the past couple of days. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where mine are now that you bring it up. But yeah, we'll probably need them. It will brighten up some today and certainly more for tomorrow. Sunshine around and nicer temperatures. Oh, falling a little short of normal today, but most likely a little above normal tomorrow. Sounds like a great way to head into a weekend. Low pressure slipped off to our east yesterday. Kept some of that rain around. That's all said and done now. That low over around Ohio and moving away. Rain in Indiana and Ohio and far eastern lower Michigan. So we expect a quieter day. A weak front does try to drop in from the north. We'll count for a few more clouds as we make our way on through tonight. But that's about the worst. I expect a cool front to drop in. And about Sunday afternoon or into Sunday night, the chance for a scattered shower develops. I'll have forecast details right after this. For control of yellow nut sedge and tough-to-kill broadleaf weeds like common lambs quarters and water hemp in your cornfield, Tank Mix Yukon in your post-emergence herbicide treatment. Yukon is the gold standard in knockdown and residual control of yellow nut sedge. With two modes of action, Yukon gives you an easy-to-tank mix tool that also helps defend against herbicide resistance. To keep your cornfields clean of yield-robbing yellow nut sedge and tough broadleaf weeds, trust Yukon from Gowan, USA. I'm guessing that most people can figure out that I'm a dog person, but really I'm a any animal person. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here for the UW School of Veterinary Medicine. But dogs have always had a part in my life from the farm to today. That's why I was really excited to hear about the cutting-edge research going on now at the School of Veterinary Medicine with Dr. David Vale. He's working on a canine cancer vaccine. Can you imagine not having to treat animals with cancer, but instead being able to prevent it? That's just one example of the cutting-edge research right here in our community. But listen, they need more space to move forward with this kind of research. And that's where you come in. It's not just about donating money. It's also about creating conversations in our state. You can write a letter, send an email, make a phone call to your elected officials, letting them know that the UW School of Veterinary Medicine is out of space and needs to expand. Want more details? Jump online. Animals need heroes too. T-O-O dot com. All righty, Stu, tell me what I should expect for the weekend. 
Well, it brightens up. Partly sunny skies developing today. Upper 50s and low 60s for highs. The northeast winds only about 5. Overnight, a little fog is possible. And then partly cloudy skies clearing out. We drop down to the upper 30s. Another cool start tomorrow. Southeast winds at 5. Could be some fog with that cool start. But more sun tomorrow in the mid and upper 60s. 67 or so. Maybe a 70 at La Crosse with a southwest breeze. And sunshine Sunday. A slight rain chance Sunday afternoon. A little more likely Sunday night, early Monday, Pam. A little rain, a couple of tenths of an inch at most. All right. 41 with clouds in La Crosse. Mostyn's 43. Fond du Lac 43. Oshkosh 43. Madison at the airport. Checking in with mostly cloudy skies on a Friday morning. Sitting at 45 degrees. Mike North joining us after 530. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. We've always had villains to face. Bad guys to take down. But you. You are the most horrible of all. Just because you're tough, it doesn't mean we can't beat you. We're here because we've had enough of you. We all have the power to do something. To change something. To stand up to cancer. Every single one of us is mortal. Even me. Even me. One person is not a team. But when we join together... You don't stand a chance. But inside, we are all heroes. We are resilient. We are powerful. And we will win. Marvel Studios' Avengers Endgame, MasterCard, and Stand Up to Cancer are joining together today to help take down one of the biggest villains of all. Cancer. Join us now at standuptocancer.org slash MasterCard. We went to Chalmers Jewelers because we wanted to get engaged. We chose to shop at Chalmers because it was a local family-owned jeweler. Uh, We were looking to identify and design a custom engagement ring. They communicated well with us, and they were very friendly and down-to-earth. Scott was actually in the jewelry store each time we were there, each visit to customize the ring, each time we went to check on the status of the ring when we picked up the ring, when we went to pick up the paperwork for our diamond. He was there every time, which was great to see, and he remembered who we were. It was a complete shock. I didn't know the ring was done, and he lunged across the living room to propose on his knee, and no one knew it was coming. She just took the ring and put it on her finger. (laughs) She was surprised and speechless. (laughs) I love it. I love looking down at my hand every day and knowing that we spent the time putting it together and picking out the diamond together and making it exactly how we wanted it. And Madison. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here at the Uptown Karate Club where we're about to witness an incredible display of, well, it's hard not to call it anything but a display of stupidity. Hey, buddy! Do you really want to whack that pile of two-by-fours with the part of your body that you think with? You know, there are easier ways to prove you're a... Whoa! That's gotta hurt. Like I was saying, there are easier ways to prove you're a man. For instance, registering with Selective Service when you turn 18 shows that you're a man who's responsible and in charge of his life. Plus, it guarantees that you'll have the chance to receive college loans, job training, and government jobs. And best of all, it doesn't hurt a bit. Register with Selective Service within 30 days of your 18th birthday online at www.sss.gov or at your local post office. That's a nasty bruise. Is that a splinter? 
I-39 Supplies Word of the Day. Fitness. Just bought a new UTV. Think it'll fitness and close trailer? Trailers, service, and more. I-39supply.com. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. We hear you. You need new windows. Ganser Company is proud to introduce 80 Years in 80 Minutes. Simply put, you need real information and pricing so you can make a good decision and spend your precious time with your family and friends, not contractors failing to call you back, taking weeks to get you an estimate, or the high-pressure sales pitch you dread. Our 80 years of hindsight for 80 minutes of your time. We give you the skinny in 80 minutes to make an educated decision. With the huge swing in temperatures from below zero to the upper 90s, Ganser Company has the only window made for Wisconsin climate. Infinity Windows from Marvin offer a lifetime warranty. Bring on the ice, wind, and the heat. Infinity Windows don't warp, crack, or fade like vinyl windows. Call today, 608-222-1243. Or stop into our showroom and see the Infinity Window Experience. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. It's that simple. Dancer, that's the answer. By land, sea, or air, Alaska is beautiful. And guess what? We'll see Alaska all three ways. I'm Pam Yankee. It is time. Make that call. Make that reservation. We've only got a few seats remaining for our Alaska Agriculture Adventure, August 20th through September 1st. Call 800-826-2266 for reservation details or online. FabulousFarmBabe.net, right there on the homepage. Alaska, August 20th through September 1st. Get up and get outdoors with Rogan's Shoes. For a limited time, save an additional 20% on soccer, track spikes, baseball, and golf shoes for the family. Rogan's Shoes, Madison East, West, and Janesville. Equal value or less, some exclusions may apply. Visit online at Rogan'sShoes.com. Visiting with our, our Packer insider, Rob Reichel, and I, I completely agree that I think the draft will, by and large, uh, you know, when we look back at this, will we'll hinge on Gary. I don't, you know, we do something on Friday, Rob, uh, called Conspiracy Theory Friday. I don't know if this is a conspiracy theory or like a looking into the future theory, because, you know, we as Packer fans with Aaron Rodgers, we don't like the notion of b- looking ahead. We always, you know, talk about the win now mentality, but you have Mike Daniels in a contract year. Uh, you have Kenny Clark, who was just, you know, option on the fifth year of his rookie deal, which means after this next season, he's going to get paid mad cash. They're not going to pay Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark $10 million a year. They're going to keep Clark, which means Daniels probably leaves. Is this Gary draft pick more of their, their drafting, you know, Mike Daniels' potential replacement here on the D-line, knowing that he's probably gone after this year? No, I, I don't think so at all. If anyone's probably the replacement in this draft, Joe, it's uh, you know it's it's going to be Kiki in round five I would think he's got the he's got the body type and the measurables a little bit more at two ninety three already you know six three two ninety three versus a guy like Gary Gary is just probably not big enough to to throw in right away Joe um at the, I think I think he's two seventy five um that's you know now he is six four and a half but uh, boy Joe they they like those they like those ends to be pushing 300 pounds and that'd be a lot of weight to put on Gary. And I'm sure they would look at it and say, how is that going to affect, you know, his 40? How's that going to affect, you know, his overall athleticism? We, we know the numbers he put up in, in the, in the various jumps at the combine, the vertical, the broad, uh, things like that were, were off the charts. And, and I know they don't want to cut into his athleticism. My best guess, Joe, you know, they're certainly not going to put him early on, at least in coverage type situations. He's he's gonna he's gonna be a, 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 a rusher from the edge on on early early downs. He's gonna be put in there to stop the run. But then he's gonna he's gonna kick inside or come off the edge 
on obvious passing downs, third and nine, third and 12, things like that. Uh, but to ask him to play in the base as, as an end right away and hold up in the run game against 320-pound tackles, I think, Joe, it's, it's a little bit different. It's a lot different to do it in the NFL than it, than it is to do it in Michigan. And I know he played the anchor uh, in Michigan's 4-3 base, but that, that, that's quite a bit different of, uh, of a scheme and of, of, in terms of responsibilities of, of what he was asked to do at Michigan than coming and playing a, a base end in Green Bay's 3-4. Uh, those schemes are dramatically different. And, and Green Bay just, they need those ends to be pushing 300 pounds uh, to hold up down in and down out. And, uh, you know, Mike Daniels has obviously done that through the course of time. Dean Lowry, is, Dean Lowry played really well last year, and, and he's the guy I'm sure they feel comfortable in. But um, I, I, I think they will find Mike Daniels' replacement next offseason, Joe. I, I, don't think, uh, I don't think it was Rashawn Gary. Um, if they did find his replacement, like I said, it's, it's going to come from later on in this draft when they got Kiki at pick 150. Robbie, I think it's safe to say that uh, Brian Gutekunst likes athletes and um, falls in love with combine numbers. What would you think Ron Wolf or Ted Thompson would say about Brian Gutekunst's draft this year? Great question. I know Ron Wolf was sitting in the Cleveland Browns draft room, um, which I which I found interesting. He was he was there with Elliot and Dorsey in the game. Um, I'm I'm not sure what you know what he would say. I, I think Ted would say uh, Brian's Brian's a, a madman for, for trading <laughs> like he did, um, and then he's got a couple drafts now where where he's traded quite a bit. Although although Ted did make the uh, very memorable trade the one year when he moved up to get Clay Matthews. Yeah. That's what. Uh, you know that's what Gutekunst is going to have to hope he did here. You know, with with Savage Junior. I, I I think Ron Wolf prescribed to a lot of these same uh, principles and theories, though, guys. You know, especially later in the draft, he was looking for athletes and numbers. You know, I it jumps to mind a guy like Donald Driver from Alcorn State, who he took in round seven in in what ninety eight or ninety nine, I think that was. And uh, you know, Driver was obviously an, an Olympic quality type of athlete and. You know, so many of his numbers were, were off the charts. He was raw as could be as a receiver, and he wound up being the franchise's all-time leader in, in pass receptions and yards. And, um, you know, I, I know Gutekunst took a chance on, on some guys like that based on numbers. Dexter Williams probably in round six isn't one of those guys. He, he doesn't run great. He's a 4-6 guy. But you look at a guy like Summers, his numbers are great. Holman's another guy whose numbers are great just in terms of speed. I would, I would think the guys that, you know, the fact – Holman's a four three eight. Uh, Summers is a, a four five one or something like that. They're going to make the team and immediately be contributors on special teams um, and be on the forty six right away. I, I think guys like that have a role and a spot. This is the Farm Report with Pam Young. Hey, I hope you'll follow along on social media today. Look for Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook and on Instagram. I'll be uh, down at uh, the College of Ag and Life Sciences today, Wisconsin Meat Industry Hall of Fame presentations. They'll be inducting Larry Clark, owner of Lodi Sausage Company, George, Ruth, Craig, and Lee Culver from the Culver's Restaurant, and Kathy Glass from the Food Research Institute, all into the Wisconsin Meat Industry Hall of Fame. I'll be taking pictures and letting you know what's going on, so follow along on social media. Again, always looking for Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook and on Instagram. Well, a couple little tidbits as far as history is concerned on this date. Back in 1999, a tornado produced the highest wind speeds 
ever recorded. It happened in the Oklahoma City area when an F5 tornado hit, and it clocked in with wind speeds of about 301 miles per hour, the highest wind speeds ever recorded for a tornado. I guess the good news is, unfortunately, 45 people were killed, 665 injured, but when you're dealing with 300-plus mile-per-hour winds, uh, it's amazing that anybody survived. Also, on this date back in 1978, believe it or not, the Digital Equipment Corporation sent out the world's first spam email. And we've been living with it ever since. I'm Pam Yonke. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Friday. Well, of course, we reported earlier this week about the Day Without Latinos, that rally that took place on the Capitol Square asking for driver's licenses for all. Well, that was the activity going on outside of the state capitol. Meanwhile, inside the state capitol, a Senate bill was being advanced in support of a dairy innovation hub that would involve the UW system, specifically the campus of UW-Madison, UW-River Falls, UW-Platteville. Now, this dairy innovation hub is an idea that's been around for just a little while. That's according to John Holyvote. He is with the Dairy Business Association. Yeah, so it's it's got a little bit of a history to it. It was an effort between the university system and the Department of Agriculture to kind of take a step back, think big picture. Where's the future of the industry going? How can we be uh, innovators in that area? And what can we do to think about, you know, where's the industry going to be, not just next year, but in the next 10 years and beyond? Mm-hmm. Well, what are we looking at budget-wise, and then where is that money expected to be channeled? So right now we're asking for $7.6 million per year to help fund uh, research and teaching positions at three different campuses, and that's UW-Madison, UW-River Falls, and UW-Platteville, so our big ag schools, frankly, right? Uh, so we're going to uh, hopefully have that approved, not just for new tenure track faculty, but also for researchers, uh, new uh, graduate fellowships to bring in uh, young researchers to be to do their graduate work at our universities too, and also to help fund some of just what they need you know to actually run the experiments and do the yeah. work itself yeah uh, that was something surprising to me. We may have facilities that have been built uh, maybe high tech, but we just don 't have the staff funded to teach absolutely i mean that 's one of the examples I gave too earlier, which is we've we had a capital budget expenditure where we actually reinvested in the dairy plant up at u w river falls uh, remodeled it it 's a beautiful facility. Uh, but we're understaffed and actually putting people in it. Um, so now this is one way that we can maybe close that gap, make sure that we've got good people uh, both on the teaching side and also uh, staffing these important research centers in our universities. Well, and there's a lot of those elements that we're talking about. University extension, we've had the budget cut back for so many years, now we just want to kind of try to catch up. This is an example of trying to make sure that we're fully use, utilizing what we've got. How are you coaching up farmers to speak with their legislators about this, John? I think it's really about making sure we maintain our our dominance on the dairy research side of things. Right now, you go to you go to Turkey, you go to Europe. What do people say about Wisconsin? The one thing they know about us is our dairy research side of things. Farmers there respect us. They'll know professors at our institutions by name. Um, we don't want to lose that edge. And there's plenty of other states that are interested in, in sort of taking over that mantle from us. This this proposal not just 
gives us new faculty here to make sure we're sort of stay strong in that area, but also helps us to build that network. I mean, these postdocs, they might go to Penn State. Or they might end up at Cornell, but you know, they're going to be badgers, right? They're going to have a connection back to Wisconsin and their research time here, um, and they'll be in that network, that broader network of people who have a connection to the Wisconsin dairy research community. And unlike maybe previous programs or what dairy farmers think they're hearing. This is like Gretzky. You want to play where the puck is going, not where it's at. And that's kind of what your point is on some of the research that you'd like to see as part of this. Right. We're talking about what are we going to do about water quality uh, long term? What are we going to do to promote better soil health long term? Uh, how are we going to innovate on the product side of things, right? Uh, you know, maybe we are lacking in markets for fluid milk, for example. Well, how do we have uh, other products beyond that for milk? Uh, what's our ethanol, basically, is one of the things I keep liking to ask people, you know. Uh, what's our non-food use? You know, there's people who are making clothing and fabric out of milk. There are people doing printing out of milk. All kinds of innovative things that can be done with our our product uh, that really, I think, will position us for a whole new market um, and hopefully help long-term with the price side of things. John Holyvoet with the Dairy Business Association, one of the groups that was on hand earlier this week when Wisconsin Senator Howard Markline, along with State Representative Travis Traddle, introduced Senate Bill 186 that would basically ask for $7.9 million annually that would be allocated to creating the Dairy Innovation Hub. And now we will wait and see if it gets the support down at the State House. Coming up on 542, don't forget Mike North with Commodity Risk Management Group joining us live via Skype before 6. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals. We know how challenging and rewarding farming and this way of life can be. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. We grew up here, and many of us are farm kids through and through. So whether you have one acre or a thousand. Whether you're building a house or a legacy. Your friends, family, and neighbors at Compere Financial have your back. And And we're we're ready ready to to champion champion rural together. together. Learn more at Compere.com. Compere Financial. Equal credit opportunity lender. You know, for a long time now, I've been telling you about my relationship, my experiences with McFarland's in the heart of Sauk City, 780 Carolina Street, just off Highway 12, where everything is all under one roof. But what do other people have to say about their experience at McFarland's? I just did a simple search, and here's what customers had to say. Great family, great service. Leaving makes me want to return. Always treated well, promptly taken care of. Matt says McFarland's is the number one hardware rental store in the area, in his opinion. Every employee is polite and extremely helpful, and the store always has everything I need for ridiculously good prices. Hey, folks, that's their words, not mine. Have you had a chance to experience everything that McFarland's has all under one roof? Those springtime projects are calling, and the experts at McFarland's, no matter the department, are ready to help you succeed. Take a drive and experience everything under one roof. McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street, just off Highway 12 in the heart of Sauk City. When you think of Palmer Amaranth, Water Hemp, Ragweed, and Mare's Tail, doesn't it just make you want to give them the pounding they deserve? Now you can with Diflex Duo Herbicide. It's the post-emergence corn herbicide with two proven sites of action. So you get powerful control of the toughest weeds, built-in resistance management, and excellent crop safety. So don't just hit weeds. Pound them like never before with Diflex Duo. Learn more at DiflexDuo.us. Always read and follow label instructions. 
A lot of emphasis on energy this week in the marketplace. Let's find out what they're discussing on a Friday morning. Here's Mark Uphold. Well, as we end this week, rain continues to soak fields across the country, and the corn market still acts like there's no issue. I called Matt Youngman, by the way, yesterday, manager of the Farm Progress Show. He told me, Mark, not one acre of corn has been planted at this year's show site in Decatur, Illinois. That's never happened. He said at the Grand Island, Nebraska site, Husker Harvest Days, planning is on schedule. Man, it looks like it's going to be a wet Kentucky Derby in Louisville, Kentucky tomorrow. The December corn-November soybean ratio is now the lowest since February of 2016. Beans have closed lower 10 of the last 12 sessions. Watch Minneapolis wheat. Spring planting is roughly 20% behind normal, and there is more rain expected in that area next week. MS Biotech are the makers of Lactopro Advance for beef and dairy cattle. Learn how you can feed less hay and reduce the number of days your cattle are on feed. MSBiotech.com. This is the Bottom Line Report. Americo is a company that understands and respects rural America. They have answers to your questions about Medicare and have set up a toll-free helpline. 855-343-9740. 855-343-9740. Americo. China's suspension of Canadian pork imports has helped hog futures now. June looks to 9490 as the next leg up. That's the bottom line. I'm Mark Oppold, wishing you a profitable week ahead. Thanks, Mark. And one of the items that Mark brought to us earlier this week is how the market is focused in on that winter wheat tour that's concluding today. They've seen better than average yields in many areas, but very erratic fields. In overnight electronic trade, May corn is up a penny and a quarter. December corn unchanged, 387. May beans unchanged. November beans up a penny at 866. May wheats unchanged. July new crop up a penny and three quarters, 445 and three quarters. Barrel cheese was unchanged yesterday at 163. 40 pound block cheese on Thursday down three quarters of a cent to 165 and a half. Double A butter, that was up a half a cent, 227 and a quarter. The June milk is up to at 1637 a hundredweight. July, three cents stronger right now, 1655 a hundredweight. One dairy related item that we're going to be talking about with Mike North next is dairy product production. In Wisconsin, it went down nationally. It also declined. What story are those numbers telling us? Mike North joining us live via Skype next. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers need your help identifying a suspect involved in a hit-and-run on Madison's south side. On April 27th at 11.10 p.m., Madison police officers responded to a traffic incident at Warwick Way and Seminole Highway. A 68-year-old man suffered a broken leg after being struck by a hit-and-run driver on that Saturday night. The pedestrian was crossing Warwick Way at Seminole Highway when a car knocked him down. The car is believed to be a silver Ford Mustang and had just come off an exit ramp from the West Beltline Highway when the collision took place. There is currently no video footage or still images of the incident that would depict the collision or the suspect vehicle. However, if you have any information regarding this hit-and-run traffic incident, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. We hear you. You need new windows. Ganser Company is proud to introduce 80 Years in 80 Minutes. 
Simply put, you need real information and pricing so you can make a good decision and spend your precious time with your family and friends, not contractors failing to call you back, taking weeks to get you an estimate, or the high-pressure sales pitch you dread. Our 80 years of hindsight for 80 minutes of your time. We give you the skinny in 80 minutes to make an educated decision. With the huge swing in temperatures from below zero to the upper 90s, Ganser Company has the only window made for Wisconsin climate. Infinity Windows from Marvin offer a lifetime warranty. Bring on the ice, wind, and the heat. Infinity Windows don't warp, crack, or fade like vinyl windows. Call today, 608-222-1243. Or stop into our showroom and see the Infinity Window Experience. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. It's that simple. Dancer, that's the answer. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. 548 as we're making our way towards 6 o'clock on a finally Friday morning. Mike North, Commodity Risk Management Group, joining us live via Skype to talk all things dairy. So one of the things that caught my attention, Mike, since last we spoke is some of the dairy production numbers that have uh, been issued by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Uh, You know, we got all that milk out there, one would think, the dairy product number was going to go up, but in reality, it went the opposite way. What's going on? Well, it stems from the production report that we saw last week and the lower cow numbers that ultimately have been witnessed. And certainly the upper Midwest is the poster child of that discussion. As we've watched, uh, the USDA has continued to trim the cow numbers more amendments came in the last report to adjust lower the January and February numbers and then further drop them in March. We now stand 94,000 cows less as a country uh, than we did January of 2018. And as we follow that through, the lower cow numbers have translated into lesser milk in certain parts of the country. And so it's become a common conversation in the state of Wisconsin to hear, you know, my, my, my buyer can't find uh, the same amount of milk that he had last year. And, you know, we don't have this flow of milk in from Michigan. Well, all of these places are experiencing a little bit of uh, reduction in their herd. And so we're seeing it firsthand. Cheese vats have not been full. And so production falls there. Elsewhere, we haven't put as much milk into uh, dryers because the powder market was, you know, very weak until we got into the fourth quarter. And, you know, our inventories were were hefty enough. And, you know, we've already talked about this whole whey story. So we haven't been drying as much whey. And ultimately, production fell there as well. These are trends that have been in place. But stronger world prices are starting to change a little bit of that. And, uh, you know, we've seen kind of an echo in the powder price, even of late, as we've watched that stronger world market play against that little uh, or declining production that we've seen. Is there any geography specifically, Mike, that is uh, drawing your attention uh, to your point about a sudden and fairly drastic drop in milk production? Any region in particular you're noticing? 
Well, the upper Midwest is certainly the uh, most obvious place where you've where you've seen uh, production fall. And when I say that, I'm including you know kind of a, a five state region where we look at Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, and to a lesser extent Indiana. That 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 area right there has seen a lot of. Uh, retraction, right? And, 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 and among farmers, this is a discussion being had every day. You know, how can this milk price stay down when all these people are leaving the business? Mm -hmm. Well, that is certainly taking place here. But another area that we're watching is what I like to call the near West. And that's the area of uh, South Dakota and to a lesser extent North Dakota, but South Dakota, um, that far northwestern corner of Iowa and down through uh, Nebraska, Colorado, Kansas, uh, Texas. That region is growing very quickly. And if you look at cow numbers, you're seeing a growing disparity between what's happening here and what's happening there. They continue to expand even as we contract. And so there's really some, some conflict in the numbers. And that's why there's this ongoing tug of war. And why, as you look at the markets, you see more of a balanced approach in movement rather than what we would in Wisconsin try to create as a logical pathway towards higher prices. There are some offsets out there. Is anybody building facilities then in that Central Plains corridor or what uh, what's inspiring them to add on the cows? They are building and um, they're doing it into a model that ultimately comes with a lower cost of production. So even as we talk about $16 milk, they are highly profitable at those levels. And so they'll continue to build into uh, that type of a market. Uh, so yes, some greenfield sites, some, you know, expansions, you know, as you look at the, you know, stages of growth at any dairy, you may, you know, build in stages. They're continuing to work through the stages uh, at uh, any one of their, their sites. Um, there is, uh, yeah, growth there. Uh, I even know of some sites as you work further west and get into uh, that Arizona, uh, California area. Well, they always seem to grow and build when milk prices are low. That's the way California did it. Apparently, it is the same in that central plain states. Thanks, Mike. Always excellent to have you along with us. I really appreciate it. We're going to have him back along with us again in uh, the next couple of weeks. Mike North, Commodity Risk Management Group. One thing that we didn't get a chance to talk about, but you should talk about with Mike, and we will in the future, uh, this dairy risk coverage program that you should be evaluating, that online tool, been created in part by the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Take a look at that. Uh, next time we speak with uh, Mike, we'll talk a little bit more about the risk management side of things, as well as what's happening in the dairy industry. Mike North, Commodity Risk Management Group, always kind enough to join us live to put you ahead of what's happening in the dairy market specifically. And like he said, uh, if you're still struggling to try to figure out how you're going to mitigate some of these lower prices, he is the guy you want to talk to when it comes to some of those risk management tools. Monday, as far as dairy is concerned, our friends from Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin are going to join us. Our Master Cheesemaker program's got an anniversary. We'll be discussing it. This is the